Well, we're going to look at Deuteronomy 31 again. Last week we saw that Moses encouraged the children of Israel that God would go with them over the Jordan into the Promised Land. And also that Joshua, Moses' faithful servant, for many years would lead them after Moses was taken from this earth, after he died. I want to read in particular in verses 9 to 13 this morning of Deuteronomy chapter 31. And Moses wrote this law and delivered it unto the priests, the sons of Levi, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord and unto all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years, in the solemnity of the year of release, in the Feast of Tabernacles, when all Israel is come to appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, thou shalt read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear, and that they may learn and fear the Lord your God, and observe to do all the words of this law, and that their children, which have not known anything, may hear, and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as ye live in the land, whither ye go over Jordan to possess it. What we have to say this morning is probably uh, quite simple, but is exceedingly important and really very, very profound. Note that the instructions were given to the priests and the elders. Now, these are not the priests that we see in churches these days. There's no office of priest in the New Testament. But it was to those priests in Israel and the elders who were responsible for the, the uh, spiritual welfare of the children of Israel. And they were to carry out these instructions in particular. And this was to be uh, done every seven years at the Feast of Tabernacles. First time we, we see it happening is in Joshua, uh, Joshua 8 and verse 24. We read that Joshua read all the words of the law, the blessings and cursings according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded which Joshua read not before all the congregation of Israel, with the women and the little ones and the strangers that were conversant among them. He fulfilled uh, this reading uh, of the public reading of the Word of God. It's very important. The, uh, another uh, instance we have in Second Chronicles 17, we don't have many examples of this actually happening. But I'm just pointing out a few of them that where it did take place. This was over 660 years after 
the law that Moses had created is Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was a, a, a godly king. Jehoshaphat reigned and he placed forces in all the fenced cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim which Asa his father had taken. And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the first ways of his father David and sought not unto Balaam but sought to the Lord God of his father and walked in his commandments and not after the doings of Israel. Isn't that sad? He walked not after the doings of Israel. Israel should have been walking in the ways of God but this man he decided that that was the way he was going to walk. Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah brought to Jehoshaphat presents, and he had riches and honour in abundance. And his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. Moreover he took away the high places and groves out of Judah. Now this is important. And in the third year of his reign he sent to his princes, even to, and they're mentioned here, and he sent them to teach in the cities of Judah. And with them he sent Levites. And they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them and went about throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. And the fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms of the lands that were round about Judah so that they made no war against Jehoshaphat. It's not amazing. The reading, they, they, they went about publicly reading the law of the Lord, the God's word. And then they explained it and taught it to the people. Another 280 years after that, we have Josiah. Josiah in Second Chronicles 34. Second Chronicles chapter 34. And we look at verse 15. Josiah was a very good king. But in verse 15, uh, go to verse 14. And they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found a book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. And Hilkiah answered and said to Saphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah delivered the book to Shaphan. The book of the law of the Lord had been lost. But they found it. Look at verse 26. They had asked, inquired, they had inquired of a prophetess as to the Lord's will. And here's one of some of the bits she said. And as for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, so shall ye say unto him, Thus said the Lord God of Israel concerning the words which thou hast heard. Because thine heart was tender, and thou didst humble thyself before God, 
when thou hearest his words against this place, and against the inhabitants thereof, and humblest thyself before me, and didst rend thy clothes, and weep before me, I have even heard thee also, saith the Lord. When Josiah had heard the words of the Lord, from the book of the law, he had humbled himself before God. Verse 28, Behold, I will gather thee to thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered to thy grave in peace. Neither shall thine eyes see all the evil that I will bring upon this place, and upon the inhabitants of the same. So they brought the king word again. Then the king sent and gathered together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up into the house of the Lord, and all the men of Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the priests, and the Levites, and all the people, great and small. And he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant that was found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood in his place, and made a covenant before the Lord, to walk after the Lord, and to keep his commandments, and his testimonies, and his statutes with all his heart, and with all his soul to perform the words of the covenant which are written in this book. The public reading of the word of God is important. And then 300 years after that we have Nehemiah. I'm sure you know this portion quite well. Nehemiah chapter 8. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding, unto the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gates from the morning until midday, before the men and the women and those that could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And we have that example, Meyer, reading from the book. And look at verse 8. So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And they stood there, the people, half a day listening to the word of the Lord. And it was read distinctly to people who could understand it and they were taught from the word of God. It wasn't made up. It wasn't man's ideas. It was the word of God. The public reading of the word of God is so important. How important the reading is. I remember hearing an occasion of a church service and they were all gathered in the little room at the back. They were praying before this service and the people who were going to take part in the service were there. There was a visiting speaker and he so there was a young lad there, and he said to the young lad, What, what are you doing here? And uh, he said, Oh, I, I'm only reading a, a bit of the Bible. And the speaker said, No, he says, You're doing the most important thing here today. 
You're not just reading a few verses from the Bible. That is the word of God. Never forget that. How true. How encouraged that lad must have felt. May we always hold in reverence the living word of God. And the public reading of God's word was to be in an appropriate place. A place of God's choosing. The place where he shall choose. We know that eventually there, there was a, 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 a place designated in the promised land where this was to take place. Thank God it does not necessarily mean a grand cathedral, a grand building or an edifice. More often or not this may not be the case but rather where people are met today in the name of Jesus. Saints of God. Priests of the King of Kings and families gathered around the Word of God. How important that is. But sad to say we see less and less of such meetings today where men, women and children are gathered to hear the Word of God being read and expanded upon. We uh, attended a conference meeting a while back and what was encouraging was the fact that complete families were attending. There were two speakers and I suppose the meeting went on for at least an hour and a half but in front of us was a family. Dad, mum and three kids, the eldest boy around 13. Now some would say surely you do not expect children of that age to sit through such a meeting. In Nehemiah's day they were standing for about four or five hours listening to the word of God being read. But uh, I tell you something. God through Moses made no exceptions as to the age of children attending the assembly to hear the reading of God's word. And that particular service was going on for a lot longer than 60 minutes. I well remember as a child being taken to such meetings and I'm sure that I learned some truths from God's word as a result. may not have been aware of it, but children take things in because their minds are like sponges at that age. The children must be brought to the meetings and encouraged to listen. We had another meeting a while back and one of the leaders had his sons one of whom had a supply of books to read during the sermon. To our horror, they were Pokemon books, all these Japanese gods and things. It showed a great lack of concern on the part of the father. And this was reflected in the fact that the kids didn't even stand up when everybody else was singing. We have to be conscious that they have to be disciplined to attend meetings and to listen to the word of God. I'm sure that our Lord must take great pleasure in the reading of his precious word in public. I read something last week, or this week, and listen to this. This is this author's idea. 
The Word of God is not loved and studied either privately or publicly. Trashy literature is devoured in private and music, ritualistic services and imposing ceremonies are eagerly sought after in public. Thousands will flock to hear music and pay for admission. But how few care for a meeting to read the Holy Scriptures? These are facts, and facts are powerful arguments. We cannot get over them. There is a growing thirst for religious excitement, and a growing distaste for the calm study of Holy Scripture, and the spiritual exercises of the Christian Church. It is perfectly useless to deny it. We cannot shut our eyes to it. The evidence of it meets us on every hand. Thank God there are a few here and there who really love the Word of God and delight to meet in holy fellowship for the study of its precious truths. May the Lord increase the number of such and bless them abundantly. May our lot be cast with them till our travelling days are done. They are but an obscure and feeble remnant everywhere, but they love Christ and cleave to his word. And their richest enjoyment is to get together and think and speak and sing of him. May God bless them and keep them. May he deepen his precious work in their souls and bind them more closely to himself and to one another, and thus prepare them in the state of their affections for the appearing of the bright and morning star. And you know, that was written 150 years ago. Times haven't changed. In fact, they've got worse. I often wonder what these old saints would do if they saw the way things have gone since then. Now, in our portion which uh, we read, Deuteronomy, chapter 31, are some simple truths we can learn from it today. In particular, let's look at verse 12. Gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear and that they may learn and fear the Lord your God and observe to do all the words of his law and that their children which have not known anything may learn to fear the Lord your God for as long as ye live in the land whither ye go over Jordan to possess it. Now as I said, this talk is simple but it's profound. Firstly, what's it say? To read this law in public, gather them all in, the men, the women, the children, and the stranger that was in their gates, that they may hear, that they may hear. Romans 10 and verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then, shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed and how shall they believe in him 
of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So there we have it in simple terms as to the importance of proclaiming God's word. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed, and how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard, and how shall they hear without a preacher? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing the word of God. And these people were gathered, Moses says, you to gather all the people together, and the word of God is to be read and explained and expanded in public. Second thing, if you look at verse 12, it says that they may hear and that they may learn. You know, to a large degree, we learn by hearing. Sometimes we pick up things by hearing and taking them on without being aware of it. You know, we speak with an accent. And we speak in the same accent as the person who taught us the language. So if we come from Ireland, we speak with an Irish accent. If we come from America, we speak with an American accent. And if you meet a foreigner who has been taught uh, English by an American, he speaks in an American language. And that's quite interesting. We read in Proverbs 22 and verse 24, it says, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go. Why? Lest, it says in verse 25 of Proverbs 22, Lest thou learn his ways, and get a snare to thy soul. We we take on the the, the language and the actions of people we mix with. There's also a solemn thought as to how we walk and talk in the world, isn't it? Will people walk and talk like us? Will they, by hearing us, pick up what is right, what is godly, and what is good? Or will they end up just talking like everybody else in the world? If people walk and talk like me, is that something that I would like? Or is it something I would be afraid of? And then the third thing, the third thing in chapter 31 and verse 12, is that they may fear the Lord your God, and his word, that they may fear the Lord your God and his word, that those who hear the word of God being read may stand in awe of it, reverence it and respect it.
But the trouble is, many church leaders today are not in awe of the word of God. They don't reverence it and they don't respect it. In fact, in most cases, they don't believe all of it. To many in our world, the name of Jesus is only a swear word. The name of God an expletive of shock or surprise. Of course, many today have never read God's word. Never been taught from it. And worse still, there are many teaching in churches today who don't believe God's word themselves. But, and it's an important but, Psalm 119, verse 130, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. The entrance of thy word giveth light. If I love the darkness still, tis because cause my deeds are ill, but the entrance of thy word giveth light. How shall they hear? How shall they believe if they don't hear the word of God? And then, going back again to verse 12, the fourth point, that they may observe to do all the words of this law. All the words. You didn't just read out bits here and there, selected bits that they knew were true, and cut out bits that they thought were untrue. They read all the words of the law. The word of God, Hebrews 4 verse 12, is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God can reach into the innermost thoughts and heart of man. Convict of sin through the work of the Holy Spirit, revealing that word to, to their hearts. May we learn to stand upon the word of God and look at the important words, all the words of this law. So important. Not a selective few. Not words taken out of context. Not words twisted out of order. But the words as written. And finally, finally, and more importantly, well no, finally and importantly, it's all important, that their children, which have not known anything, may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God. The children were included in this solemn assembly. Anyone that could understand, and you know a child begins to understand very early on in life, 
children aren't brought to meetings these days. It is the, it's the desire of any Christian parent to see their children one for the Lord. How sad that children are not encouraged to come and listen to the word of God. We pray for our children, those in our family circles, so dear to each of us. We pray for our friends and neighbours' children. We pray that they will heed God's word and yield to Christ and Christ's mercy and offer of the gift of God eternal life. Will the family circle be unbroken in heaven? used to sing an old hymn years ago. There are loved ones in the glory whose dear forms you often miss. When you close your earthly story, will you join them in their bliss? In the joyous days of childhood, oft they told of wondrous love, pointed to the dying Saviour, now they dwell with him above. You remember songs of heaven which you sang with childish voice. Do you love the hymns they taught you? Or are songs of earth your choice? You can picture happy gatherings round the fireside long ago, and you think of tearful partings when they left us here below. One by one their seats were emptied. One by one they went away. Here the circle has been broken. Will it be complete one day? Will the circle be unbroken by and by, in a better hope awaiting in the sky? And a hymn which is not very well known, but I've read it before. I dreamed I had gone to that city, that city where never comes night. And I saw the bright angels of glory, I saw the fair mansions of light. I gazed for long, long years of rapture on the face of my Saviour, so true. And I sang with the seraphim holy. Then I dreamed I searched heaven for you. I looked on both sides of the river that flows through the city of God. I searched through the bright mansions celestials and streets of gold pavement I trod. The faces of saints by the million I scanned in my yearning to see that face I had cherished so fondly, the face that had grown dear to me. I asked of ten thousand sweet angels, Have you seen this beloved one? Pray tell. Have you met in the bright courts of heaven that one whom on earth we loved well? They shook their heads sadly and told me that they had not seen you. And then I knew that somewhere in the darkness you wandered, lost in your sin. I dreamed, I searched heaven for you, searched vainly through heaven for you. Oh, won't you prepare 
meet me up there, lest we should search heaven for you.